Welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. This one, honestly, was one of my favorites that we've done so far. Uh, We bring on one of the top strength and conditioning coaches in the country, in the hockey world right now, Brian Gallivan, who right now owns and operates GVN Performance out of Chicago, uh, a company that he has built from the ground up, and now he works with a ton of NHL and high-level type hockey players. Uh, He also just got the job as the head strength and conditioning coach at the U.S. National Team Development Program, so congratulations to him. Uh, But before we do get over to Brian in this awesome conversation, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeff Lavecchio. Jeff, what is shaking today? I'm buzzing, Toph. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I had a phenomenal day. Uh, this podcast really set the tone with Brian. I've known Brian since my freshman year of college and looked up to him quite a bit. And his story is literally like I looked up to him when he wasn't even in this game, like just as a human being. He's a genuine um, caring, thoughtful, cool guy. And, and when he came to visit us at Western, like all the boys were like, dude, Galley, like your bro is such a badass. Like he's just a really cool guy. Like my family was like gushing about him at Western when he'd come to visit, like he'd sit with them. Like he's just a cool guy. And for him to be able to do what he's done, um, and come from nothing in this, in this game of, of the strength coach, uh, conditioning, strength and conditioning world and training world. Like it's just absolutely amazing. And it, it parallels everything we talk about, you know, with hockey. Like if you want to be the best, if you want to be good, like put your nose to the grindstone and learn and work your ass off and get better every day. And that's what Brian's done. And I've followed his career very closely. And we've talked every summer. We talk all the time about new things he's learning and he teaches me stuff. And just what a cool guy, man. What a great story that, that set my whole day into just like a unbelievable motion. And I'm not gonna lie, I was buzzing, had a great day. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I felt the same way. Like after getting off the phone with them, I was I, like, I just felt better. I was like ready to go, just energetic and stuff. And for the listeners, Jeff was teammates with Brian's younger brother, Pat, at Western Michigan. So that's how he kind of got the introduction to him. Uh, I got the introduction to him a couple years ago because uh, he does a lot of like cross work with Brian Kane with Prodigy Hockey. So a lot of the guys that Kaner uh, skates with actually work out with Brian in the gym. So um, yeah, just phenomenal conversation. And uh, it's really cool. Like Strength and conditioning coaches are coaches, man. Like leaders are leaders, mentors are mentors. It doesn't matter, um, you know, what type of work you're in or what you're doing. If you're a leader of kids and you care about them, it's just like we just totally meshed with everything that we're about on this podcast and, and everything that he's about with what he's done to build his culture in his gym. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Like, it's it's literally exactly in line with everything that we are, with with what he's built and and what he's going to take to USA uh, NTDP. I mean, there's a reason that they hired him, and those kids are all super lucky. Uh, you know, I train one kid right now is going to play for the 
under 17 team next year and Caden Brown. And I'm like, man, like you are just so lucky. And him and I, him and Caden and I are actually very close. Uh, we have been for about two years since I started training him. So I'm excited for Caden to go and work with someone who I think is very similar personality wise and drive wise to me in Brian Galvin. And, you know, he's, he's probably me 2.0. He's smarter than me and he's been in the game a little <laughs> bit longer. And, you know, he's been able to, while I was playing, like he, he's just a great guy. He's going to be a great mentor for him. And I'm excited for all those, those young, uh, USA studs. Yep. You forgot to say better looking and uh, <laughs> more charismatic. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, he's, hey, he, hey, he called me an underwear model in this, in this <laughs> podcast. Believe me, I did not. That didn't slip past my ears. You might've thought I didn't comment on it, but that one went in the back of my mind right you there. Think when I, I didn't went think the, that buddy, when I went to the gym after he said that, I was like, yeah, Kelly said I'm an underwear. I think he said like chiseled underwear model or something. And I was like, I think you yeah. may have, I think you may have added the chiseled part. All but. right. Well, I probably did, but in my head, that's what he said. And you know, it's, it's, uh, it worked for me in the gym. So it was good motivation. Unreal. Unreal. No, it was such a good conversation, man. I just like, you, you know who I, I love just like genuine people. Like people who are just genuinely themselves and just radiate that just kind of like, what was that? You, me, and Dupree, your name plus Ness, you know? Like, Brian Gallivan, Brian Ness. Ness. <laughs> no, Throw just, it seven different times <laughs> oh, in yeah. the gym. But like just genuine people are just so much fun to talk to and learn from. And you always pick stuff up from people like that. And they always kind of make you feel better about yourself. Um, because in today's day and age, it is, it is kind of hard to be genuine. I think that's something we've talked about on the podcast all the time where it's easy to try and be somebody that you're not. And so when you kind of associate yourself with genuine people who, who care about others, like it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's uplifting, you know? Totally. Totally. I mean, he's definitely an empath. There's no doubt about that. And it, he's just a good person. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's just, it's just funny. Like how, everything he was saying like that he does with NHL guys and AHL guys and guys who, you know, some of his guys started at the bottom and then they're in the NHL regulars on one ways. Like it's just so cool to hear in his story. Like guy was a stone scrubber. I don't even know what that means, man. <laughs> like he was scrubbing rocks for years and now he's NTDP strength coach. Like if that's not like something to tell you, like whatever you want to be, like work your ass off and dedicate yourself to that and be humble and be true and be a generous person. Like, you know, you can do whatever you want if you set your mind to it. Obviously you got to have, you know, some, some innate abilities, but like, you know, like it's just, it's an unbelievable story. And, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, Gamby, my boy, Joe Gambardella, you know, like doing everything he could and, you know, signing NHL deals, playing in the NHL. Like he's going to be an NHL regular, I think. I've never even seen him play just from hearing people talk about him and then talking to him, you know, that podcast episode we had with him. Like he's just, he, he's the same type of person as Brian Ness. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was cool too. Cause you guys got to geek out a little bit in terms of the strength and conditioning stuff. But, uh, I love talking to him about like just mindset stuff and, and coaching and you know, it, it was really cool to hear him talk about how he can like build a culture and team, but also how important it was to recognize, you know, individual differences in, in people and in their mindset. And, uh, I mean, it's just so true in any type of leadership and coaching and, um, him talking about how like, recognizing certain days where guys just kind of had it and like, let's go for our PR today. 
uh, and personal records, personal best. Um, just, it just, it was really cool, man. I just, I'm kind of gushing here too. <laughs> yeah. We sound like the biggest fan boys, Gallivan fans ever. Fan hey? boys right now. But just seriously, like, bigger and bigger as we pump them. But I mean, I, I do that for people that I believe in and you know, you're one of them and he's one of them. So I'll pump away. Pump away, my friend. Pump away. But uh, we'll leave the rest of uh, we'll leave the rest of this uh, this podcast episode in an interview with Brian. It was it was awesome. But um, a couple other things I actually wanted to talk about. First of all, I wanted to give a shout out to a really good dude in the college hockey biz. No longer in the college hockey biz, and just got an assistant coaching job with the Edmonton Oilers. So he might be coaching your boy Gamby next year. Uh, but Brian Wiseman, assistant coach from University of Michigan. Uh, just got elevated and took a job in Edmonton. So wanted to congratulate uh, Wise on that. So good stuff. And then uh, there was one other thing I wanted to actually talk to you about because I just heard it um, today in uh, in a podcast that I was listening to, and it's called the oxygen mask mentality. Have you ever heard of that oxygen mask mentality? I'm going to say that I have, but then I'm going to tell you to tell me what it is. <laughs> And we'll go from there, right? So you tell me what you think it is. (laughs) Okay, I will tell you. So oxygen, so you know when you go on a plane and they say like if you're sitting next to somebody, specifically a kid, to put your oxygen mask on first and then put the oxygen mask on the person next to you after that? Correct, yep. So they talk about it as a metaphor in terms of like if you want to do well for others, you got to make sure that you're taking care of your own stuff first. So like you cannot be of the best service to other people until you have your crap together and you feel good about yourself. Um, and it was just such a really interesting um, way of looking at it and specifically with the metaphor with the oxygen mask mentality because I, I really believe that. And, and Em and I always talk about it like between us and our relationship and our marriage. Like we always allow each other time to um, – have to ourselves and like have a girl's weekend or have a guy's weekend or, Hey, I'll take, you know, I'll take Paige. I'll take our daughter this morning and you go work out and stuff like that. Because we know that like individually, if we're feeling good about ourselves and we feel good about where we're at, we'll better be able to be better partners for each other. So I, it was just a really interesting way to think about it. I wanted to bring that up to you and just kind of see what you thought here on the air. Yeah. I mean, so I'm trying to think about how I can parallel that and make that make sense in the hockey world. And I, again, like I always try and use my own, um, experiences cause I know what I did. And I, I think about, there was one year where, um, you know, we didn't have any team warmups when I was playing over in Norway and like guys were kind of all over the place. So I was like, all right, you know what, I'm going to put my headphones on. And I be- just developed this routine for that specific team where I would go and shoot like a hundred pucks and then do a quick dynamic warm up, run in the locker room, get dressed real quickly. And some of the guys are like, you know, like, do you not like guys on the team? Because like, you don't want to talk to us before practice and hang out in the locker room. And I was like, look, like if I do this, I'm a better player. And then I go on the ice and I have a better practice and I'm better for the team. So like to liken that to hockey, like that helped me be a better player on the ice, which made me a better teammate. So maybe I was being, you know, putting my mask on for those 10 minutes before practice, just right before, but that made me a better teammate on the ice, a better player, a better captain, all those things. I was better prepared for practice. So like, I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. And I agree. Like, also, we always talk about being genuine. If, if you're out there trying to help people, but like, you're not in a good place, it's almost like maybe you're being fake. 
you know what I mean? And what, what you're trying to say to do is, is not, you're not li- you're not practicing what you're preaching. You're not, you're not walking not living. the walk. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like going to a fat nutritionist and I shouldn't say fat an overweight nutritionist, you know, like you're not taking care of yourself. Why should I believe you? Y- you know what I mean? So like, yeah, dude, I, I totally get that. And in this age of like, you know, like people like Ricky Mendez and, um, Matt Calderoni, like those are people that can help you get your own ness together so that you can go and spread your ness to the world. I like that. Well, I liken it to, to, um, you know, I, I, it certainly hits home for me. Um, thinking back to when I was a college assistant coach, because that is a stressful job, man. Like it's a stressful job, always being on the road and recruiting and the stress of landing kids and, you know, putting a team together that's going to, you know, compete for national championships because that's the, that's obviously the goal. And then you also got to coach and you got to be a good coach to, to your players and stuff like that. And it can be exhausting. And I think back to like, it was one of those things where I worked way too hard and not smart and I didn't take care of myself because like in my mind, I felt like I'm working really hard. So I'm, that's how I'm going to be the best version for my team. But at the end of the day, like I wasn't in a great spot because I was stressed, you know, and I like wasn't eating right. I wasn't sleeping well and, and all this kind of stuff. So I wasn't bringing the best version of myself to the team, to the recruiting scene and all that kind of stuff. Even though like I thought I was because I was working really hard, I wasn't taking care of myself. So it was almost like it was working against it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then maybe that bled into other things outside of hockey too, personal relationships oh, or sure or yeah. whatever, and that affects you. Then that stresses you out and then you go to work and you're stressed out even if you're trying not to portray that maybe you are and you're not able to do your your best work so yeah i mean first and foremost you always got to take care of of yourself so that you can then be better for everyone else like dude it makes total sense and i totally knew what you were talking about with the oxygen mask <laughs> thing so i'm glad that you got it correct i'll give you an a minus that is little nepotism correct <laughs> Yeah. Spanish perfect. Armada. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you don't get that, don't even name that reference. If you don't get that reference, we're not friends, fans, <laughs> fans of the show, listeners. Well, we quote about, what, three movies uh, on our yeah. podcast, so yeah. you could probably guess. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of the same movies. <laughs> you know um, that gator that got your hand? <laughs> well, I got his head. <laughs> Pretty sick, Chubbs. Uh <laughs> Okay, so moving on. Uh, obviously, this is uh, the last podcast that is going to be coming out before our Hockey Development Conference in Chicago on August 3rd. So really, really excited about that. So be prepared to see a lot of social media stuff on uh, on the conference this week. We're so excited. I've, I've been in touch with all the speakers and stuff, and everybody's really jacked for this. Uh, we all feel like we're going to learn from each other, which is really, really cool. And then obviously the people who are coming are going to learn a lot too, and we're going to have a great time doing it. So uh, if you haven't uh, registered yet and you want to register, I know there's a lot of procrastinators out there that want to do things in the last minute, but um, go to uh, our website, thehockeythinktank.com slash conferences, 
and uh, and register. And, and again, we got some great deals. We got some group rates for ninety nine bucks. Um, we have a family rate for uh, buy one get one free. So enter group at the checkout for the group rate. Uh, enter family at the checkout for the family buy one get one free. Uh, if that's something that you want to do, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great mix of of people that are going to be there, and we're really looking forward. And actually, we just uh, added one more thing. Um, there's a parent that's actually going to come uh, whose kid skates at uh, the Blackhawks practice facility where we're doing this, and he actually owns a bar um, only a couple miles away from the rink. So he approached us and was like, "Hey, if you guys want to, you know." keep the show going like I'll rent out my upstairs to you guys and all the speakers that uh, that want to come and all the people who participated you guys can come up and, and shoot the breeze and talk some hockey over at our bar um, so I'd like to be honest with you like I've learned more about hockey and about coaching over beers after tournaments and on the recruiting trail than I have in any coaching conference that I've ever been to. I mean, just the informal talk and, you know, guys kind of are a little bit looser and, um, you know, talk about things that maybe they wouldn't talk about presenting wise um, in front of a large group and you're able to converse with people. So like, this is actually a really cool way to be able to do that. So we're going to head over to a bar, uh, a bar called Centennial, uh, a couple miles away from, uh, from the arena where we're doing the conference. And, uh, uh, yeah, we'll keep the show going and continue the the coaching education, which is, uh, I mean, it's awesome over a couple beers. Yeah, dude, that sounds unbelievable. Like that's wow, what a nice guy. Thank you, Mr. Centennial. <laughs> and remember, put your oxygen mask on first. There you go. There you go. Uh, no, it's going to be good, Jeff. Uh, they're going to have some protein shakes made for you. Uh, I'll have a couple beers afterwards, but uh, I know you're going to be drinking some green pea, freaking whatever. <laughs> Um, but, uh, really, really looking forward to it. So, uh, if you haven't signed up yet and you want to sign up again, go to, uh, our website, the hockey think tank.com, uh, slash conferences for the conference stuff. And, uh, look forward to seeing everybody there. It's going to be a fun day. Super exciting. And any, anybody who's in Chicago, who's going to listen to this podcast with, with Brian from uh, GBN, if you see his brother, Pat, who also works with GBN, unbelievably smart and talented hockey player and human being, uh, tell Pat, he's got to play in Tove's charity game the following day. <laughs> uh, Pat and I were line mates, which you hear about on this podcast. He was a phenomenal hockey player. I loved playing with him. Really. I texted him today. I'm like, Patty, you got to play. Oh, I don't have gear. Oh, there's rust on my blades. Blah, blah, blah. Pat, I don't play hockey anymore either. All right. I don't care. Let's get out there together and rip it up. So if you're in Chicago and you see Patty, Patty O'Gallivan, as we used to call him, force him that he's got to play in the charity game uh, for a good cause on, on Sunday. Yeah, and that's a great transition segue to the charity game, which we wanted to talk about too. So uh, that is going to be on the Sunday, August 4th, and uh, we've put together a charity game uh, that's going to benefit Special Olympics Chicago, and it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a clinic, a uh, unified clinic for people of all abilities, uh, able-bodied and special needs, um, that Brian Kane from Prodigy Hockey is going to run, and we're going to have some of our NHL guys that are playing in the game uh, actually helping to coach that. So JT Confer is going to be out there, Robbie Russo, who's uh, in the Arizona Coyotes organization. Uh, they're going to be out there. That's at 12 o'clock at Fifth Third Arena in Chicago. And then our charity game, uh, which is going to benefit Special Olympics Chicago, 
Chicago uh, is going to be at three o'clock. We got some awesome people playing. It's going to be a game that celebrates inclusion in hockey and uh, some of the big names. It's going to be actual uh, actually team Kendall Coyne Schofield. So Kendall Coyne Schofield, arguably one of the top women's players in the world, the captain of Team USA, gold medal, not a big deal. Uh, is going to be the captain of one team. Uh, so great, uh, great for women's hockey. And then the captain of the other team is Josh Pauls. So uh, the captain of the Team USA sled hockey team that uh, won the gold medal at the Olympics as well. So um, it's just it, it goes back to what we believe in so much. Special needs community is such a big part of my life. And uh, to have uh, two team captains, one being a woman, uh, one being a sled hockey player, to have other NHL players in the game, uh, to have, you know, even some local youth celebrities, youth, youth hockey coaches playing in the game, and then myself, I'll be playing along with Jeff. Maybe we can be line mates. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, if you do want to come to that game, if you're in the Chicago area, it's at 3 o'clock on the Sunday, August 4th. You can go to SOChicago.org and get your tickets so uh, it's gonna be a fun weekend man can't wait yeah i'm i'm super stoked and any other pros in chicago if you listen to this and you work out with gbn and you know you're looking to play message uh message brian get topher's contact info or mine and got a bunch uh, of those guys you know, already there yeah got good, a bunch good. Of those guys I, I just want to get as many pros because <laughs> thing about charity is i feel like a lot of people are like oh somebody else will donate somebody else will do this somebody else will do that well no look at the mirror you do it. Hey, you right now listening, look in your car mirror, point at yourself and say, I'm going to go to that game. I'll, I'll throw a couple <laughs> shackles, help somebody else out other than yourself. Put your mask on and then put somebody else's mask on. Let's raise some money. Tof absolutely murdered his charity game again in New York a few weeks ago, raised over $125,000 hairs. So let's uh, let's try and up the ante. Let's let's raise as much money as we can. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Well, uh, I think we've spoken enough here. Uh, got a lot of stuff going on next week, and we hope all of you that are listening can uh, can join us for it. Um, but this is going to be an awesome podcast conversation with Brian Galvin. So without further ado, be prepared to have a great rest of the day after you listen to Brian talk. Um, so without further ado, here's Brian Galvin. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast, all the way from the great city of Chicago, Brian Gallivan of GVN Performance. Uh, Brian, how are we doing in the greatest city in the world today? (laughs) Doing great, Tulsa. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. Well, I'm sure this is a busy time for you. I know it's busy time for Jeff because that's all he talks about on the podcast now is how he has no time for anything except for uh, training his guys. But uh, really excited to have you on and uh, wanted to bring it way back in the beginning because um, you you grew up in Chicago and and, uh, I don't really know your story in terms of kind of how you got involved in the game of hockey. So wanted to kind of ask you, you got you got family in your in your uh, or I should say hockey in your family blood. Um, How'd you get into the sport uh, when you were growing up? Yeah, that's a good question. People ask that a lot. Actually, we, uh, <laughs> my, my dad, was a, yeah, our family, we weren't a hockey family before, uh, you know, I have two other brothers, Pat and John. Um, my dad took me public skating when I was like eight, nine years old. And, um, he just left me on the boards, you know, of course. And it was like the old, uh, you know, old skates from like the fifties. And, uh, I watched them just buzzing around the rink. And, uh, and I just, it was the first thing I think in my life I was like, all right, I'm, I want to get good at this. Uh, and I didn't really play sports, uh, like, you know, organized sports up to that point. 
And uh, he just started dropping me off at the rink. I don't know if it was for babysitting, just to get rid of me for a while, or uh, but it became my thing, and I just did public skate all the time. And I actually saw uh, I was watching a double A practice once uh, after public or before a public skate, and the Stapleton brothers were out there, uh, Buddy and Buster, and uh, you know I don't know if uh, Tim Stapleton played in the NHL, and he's one of the first pro guys actually I ever trained. Um, but there, you know, you had everybody was watching these, these two Stapleton boys and, uh, they were just nasty. <laughs> so <laughs> just, good. They at least, yeah, to both of them, man, they were, they were both small and just flying around the rink. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like I went home and told my dad, I was like, I want to play hockey. And, uh, he brought me back to, this is originally commons, which is a really old rink off the West in the West side of Chicago. I think at one point it was an outdoor rink, um, that the Hawks used to use for a practice facility. And uh, he took me to like a house league. It wasn't real organized. It was like a you know a Saturday. Let you know fifty kids just go. I didn't have a jersey. I had some old equipment, and uh, I just started playing house league hockey. And then my brothers, uh, John, actually started before Pat. Um, they they actually did skating lessons, and uh, obviously you know whatever I did, they were gonna do. And uh, the two of them were really good right away. Um, they did the same kind of house league thing, but you could see the difference. Um, they were kind of like the Stapleton boys and, uh, they just got real good right away and they started playing travel. And then, you know, I was kind of always a little behind cause I didn't start playing until I was older, but, um, I started playing double a and then Pat and John, uh, well, Pat will tell the story a little different, but <laughs> he was kind of forced to play, <laughs> but, uh, he, Pat, Pat was really into like art and stuff when we were kids. And, uh, John and I were playing hockey and I was just like, dude, you're, you're going to play this. <laughs> and uh, at least that's how he tells it. Uh, I don't really remember that, but well, it sure is how um, it worked out for him. No, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not taking credit for it. Cause I don't really remember doing that, but apparently I did. And, uh, but he, he fell in love with it right away. I mean, he had a, uh, he had another level, I think of drive uh, that, you know, I think there's two kinds of athletes, right? You're, you're born with a V8 or you're born with a V10. And I think that, that's kind of part of my, with fitness for me, you know, that's what the gym's about, kind of figuring out what you got. You know, you can suit me up all you want. Uh, I'll, I'll never have a V8, you know, and Pat had those two extra cylinders, and that was not just the skill and not just the athleticism, but the determination, the drive to want to be better, you know, urgency and his repetitions and, and focus, and, uh, you know, he made it really far. But back to, like, how it evolved, it just, you know, we turned into a hockey family really quick, man. I mean, there's three boys at uh, different ages. It was just nonstop, double A. And then the boys started playing triple A with Team Illinois. And, uh, you know, that's and Jeff, that's probably when they started running into you in uh, St. Louis. Um, and that's just kind of how it evolved. I didn't play too far. I, I played through high school, um, played a little bit of ACHA and then a, a Jerko school um, in, on the East Coast for a year. But college wasn't uh, really my thing. And I went into the workforce after that. Uh, because of hockey, I actually worked for uh, Gino Paisolini. Um, he played with the Flyers for a while. He's a, an, an old enforcer from the tough OHL. Tough dude. Um, oh, tough dude. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of my dad, right? Like, he was, you know, you either need to work or go to school. And I was like, well, I'm going to work. And um, I actually scrubbed rocks, man. I was a cement mason for from, like, 2000 to 2005, I want to say, six, five, six years. Um, it's funny, like, when the guys – complain in the gym you know and think they're working hard like if they can tell you've done a job like that you don't really fully understand <laughs> what hard work really is 
Um, and I just was a gym rat. That's kind of how I got into training. Um, I was, you know, I'd work all day and go to the gym at night. Um, and that was kind of it. And then Pat, um, you know, was, was having a lot of success in college at the time. Um, and he turned pro and, you know, that, that's, that's kind of how the hockey thing evolved for us. That's awesome. man. That's funny. And then for the, for the listeners, uh, Brian's brother, Pat, who he was just talking about him and I were actually line mates in college for one, one and a half years. And he, Patrick was an unbelievable hockey player. And, and you say he had the, the drive and stuff like that, but Pat was an unbelievable natural athlete too. Like, we would play basketball yeah. in the summers or, or throw around a football or a soccer ball before practice, or you give any kind of skill thing to Pat and he would pick it up in two seconds. Like, man, that guy was just a skilled and he just thinks, he just thinks sports. Like he just gets them. His brain just like, it, it just comes to him and he saw the ice really, really well. And he must've given me at least 10 tap-ins in two years, no doubt about it, where he did all the work and I would just go hide behind everyone. And he just, I, I, I vividly remember, I don't remember if Pat remembers this, but he got the puck in the slot at home one game and he was all by himself. And I was standing behind the goalie for some reason and he was about to shoot it. And I, I'm vocal on the ice. And I was like, Patty! And he had the biggest fake shot and literally like just the littlest pass to me. And I think I don't even had to shoot it. He just shot it off my stick and in and I'll never forget it because if it was me in that spot. If it was me in that spot, there's a, there's no way I see the guy down on the back post and B I'm shooting it if I'm in the slot. And he gave me that goal and it was just, you know, it, he was a great player. And I definitely remember Brian coming up to Western multiple times and we all thought Brian was the coolest guy ever, man. He was, he was jacked. He had 10, tattoos he was wearing wife beaters he was older than us like dude this guy's a savage <laughs> i remember hearing like he did boxing i was like dude this guy's a badass that's funny. so funny do you remember uh, brian do you remember jeff when like was he was he like as suave and cool as like he is now when he was back in college or was he a little bit geekier no not it is the same man uh it's probably intensified for sure he uh <laughs> I remember, my, I vividly remember um, meeting him for the first time. Yeah, I showed up to the, they, were you, it was when you guys were living in those like row homes or whatever those were, yeah. that, that complex. Yeah. And I show up and it was like, it was at night because I, I drove up after work and uh, I go on the house and it was you and, and Sean and Frank and I hear all this music blasting in his room. I'm like, what the hell is going on in there? And the guy's like, oh, it's Jeff. He had something with school. So he, I don't know, he had a... He had to get a workout in. I'm like, it's like 10 o'clock at night. And then the door opens, and then this, like, this chiseled, like, underwear model walks out of the room, right? I'm like, what the oh, hell is God. this guy doing? I loved him right away. I'm like, this is your roommate, Pat? I'm like, yes. I'm like, show this guy how to work out, dude. <laughs> That's funny. I remember I that, it. actually. Yeah, Vividly, man. I have vivid memory of it. It was awesome. <laughs> that is so funny. Actually, another guy another guy that you mentioned earlier that I want to tell a funny story about is, is Buster Stapleton. So Buster was the kid. So he's a couple years older than we were. He was like the kid growing up, and everybody kind of has one of these that was like the older guy that like when he was in the rink, everybody was like, hey, guys, Buster Stapleton's on the ice. And you'd all run over to the glass because oh, yeah. you wanted to watch Buster yep. Stapleton, you know. <laughs> and he was so good. He was a smaller guy too, so obviously I... I took a little bit of a liking to him, but another funny story about Buster. So Buster went to UMD, Minnesota Duluth and played there. And uh, his senior year, we actually played against them in uh, 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 that tournament down in Florida, Jeff, that we played, didn't actually play against each other in, but 
we went to every year. And uh, so just happenstance, we played against them in the championship game. And then afterwards, we all left the next day. So we all kind of went out to a bar afterwards and uh, had some drinks. And ended up like kind of guys had mutual friends on the teams and stuff. So we were just kind of talking and shooting the breeze and ended up going back to a hotel room. And Buster, I don't know what nationality he is. Is he Philip like half Filipino? What's... Uh, He's ha- yeah, he's uh, half Irish, half Filipino. Okay, okay, right. So one of my roommates, a guy named Ray Suwada, is actually half Asian as well. So <laughs> we're all sitting up, and we're just kind of hanging out and having a couple beers. Some guys were a little bit more overserved than others. And, and uh, Suwada, like the guy on our team who's half Asian, he made like a half Asian joke to Buster like jokingly because he's also half Asian and it was like a funny joke, but but one of his teammates, this like big rugged defenseman like heard the joke and thought that he was actually saying a racial slur to him. So he like gets up all of a sudden he wants to fight everybody on our team. He's like protecting Buster from the racial slur and everything. And then we're all just like, no, 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 it was a joke. I swear it was a joke. I swear. But uh, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life and uh, just hilarious. But two Buster Stapleton stories because he's the man. And, you know, you were saying kind of beforehand that he's the guy that kind of got you into the hockey world. So how did that come about? Because he's obviously had a huge NHL career as well. Yeah, he had a, a huge impact on me. Like, um, so just a bad, like how my brother, when Pat turned pro, um, he signed with the Wolves, uh, you know, no one – like off season training wasn't really it, like it's changed a lot in the last just in the last eight years, let alone the last ten years. And when Pat turned pro, I was like, why don't we? You know, I had just started my own uh, personal training company. I wouldn't call it company, but I was personal training by myself um, at a gym because in two thousand like seven eight, the economy just tanked, and uh, that's how I got into fitness. And I met my wife at the time, and she's like, you love this, be a trainer. And, um, so I got certified and that's how it kind of, the, the training site started. And when that's, that was in the winter and that summer, Pat turned pro and I was like, why don't we see if we can get some guys, uh, and, and train for the summer. And while you're, you know, cause he had an exercise physiology degree. So I just assumed he knew everything. <laughs> I said, like, why don't we see if we can get some guys to train with us this summer and help you make some, help you make some money while you're in the minors. And I didn't really know what we were getting into at the time. I, I just, you know, I think out of ignorance and, and, you know, obviously I really, you know, love my brother and knew he had to work out, but we didn't knew nothing. Like we did not know what we were doing. And, um, we ended up Pat. So, and, you know, I think he, he kind of knew that it was a big deal, but didn't at the same time. Um, so I called up Rob Rasmus at the wolves and I was like, Hey man, I, you know, I'm going to be working some training, some guys out. Uh, I think that was one thing I never really had a hard time with was asking for help. And uh, Rob was really great. You know, he gave me some good advice. And we kind of wrote out a pretty simple program based on, you know, what Pat had done at Western Michigan, some stuff that I knew. And we had, like, three junior players. Uh, and then Brock Shelgren, who had just turned pro, um, and Pat. And then about a month into the summer, maybe a little less than that, I ran into Buster at a bar. And uh, we started talking because we, we grew up in the same neighborhood and, I told him what we were doing, and he had been driving out to um, Hoffman Estates, which is pretty far from downtown Chicago, to train every day with Rob. And uh, he goes, man, uh, your your gym is like two blocks from my house. So I'm like, come check it out. So he came a couple of days later, and uh, he came in, saw it, loved it. Uh, and that was that was pretty much how it started. We got 
Tim Stapleton and Andy Wisniewski. He called his buddy Andy. Andy was oh. getting ready to go play. Oh. Yeah, Andy was. He was getting ready to go play in uh, Switzerland, I think, that year. Either Germany or Switzerland. Uh, Team Red Bull. And um, he, uh, so I called Pat that night. And I'm like, hey, man, I got good news and bad news. He's like, what's that? Uh, good news is I got us two NHL, NHL players. I'm like, bad news is we have to actually do this. They were in like phase three of whatever, you know, uh, quote, quote unquote, phase three, whatever program they were in. So I went, met with Pat that night and we were up all night. I'm sure he remembers that. Like kind of right now what we wanted to do. And, you know, we haven't even done the eval on these guys yet. Um, and they came in and they were awesome. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always thank any one of my players and say I've learned more from them than any book or any certification. You know, I, I've been really blessed to have a lot of two-way level guys that, that had to grind it out. And, and they grinded it out with me, you know, and, and we did it together. And, you know, guys like Vinny Laverde, uh, who, you know, at one point I think he was cut from Greenville. And, you know, five, six years later, he's on a one-way NHL contract. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of guys like that and just learned so much from them. And, and back then, you know, we worked out like football players. Like, that, that's, that's how we did it. Um, but that, that summer was awesome, and Buster was huge. You know, like, he, he knew what he was doing. He knew how to warm up, which we learned a lot from. You know, we were kind of watching him do stuff. And one, he was doing this, actually, Jeff, some EXO stuff, some athlete's performance. He's doing some, like, hip activation. And I look at Pat, I go, what the hell are they doing? And uh, he goes, I don't know, but let him keep doing it. So <laughs> and, we, um, and, yeah, we, we crushed it. And, and Buster had a great year after that. You know, he went and um, he was a KHL All-Star. So and I think that helped him want to return. Um, and that winter, I was really fortunate to meet Ben Peterson, um, from, uh, who was, one, he was a head of sports performance at the University of Minnesota. And he had just wrote a book called Triphasic Training with Cal Dietz. And I didn't know anything, you know, at the time about really about sports performance beyond, you know, what I had known from what I learned from Pat and Western Michigan, you know, the program that Jeff, you guys were doing at the time. Uh, I just had some basic certifications and I read, I read that book and I knew right away, I'm like, we're doing it wrong and this is right. Uh, so I spent all winter. I actually, I, got to know Ben pretty well. He came to Chicago and did uh, like a, a one-week work, a, two, a two-day workshop uh, on the book. And th- this book really wasn't released yet at the time. Um, and we adop- I kind of decided to adopt that system over the winter. And I bought the computer software that they were using at University of Minnesota. And, you know, I had sent out an email for the first time uh, through our network, you know, of guys we knew. I think there was about 40, 50 guys on, that I emailed about training in Chicago. With, at the time, we called it Galvin Brothers Performance. And uh, we, uh, I ended up that summer with like seven guys to start out, eight guys to start out with. And it's kind of funny. They, they all show up and they see this program and they're like, we don't want to do this. You know, we want to, we want to lift every, we, 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 we're, we used to do like a traditional two day split where you kind of do upper, lower recovery day, upper, lower. And, uh, I'm like, give it a, give me a two weeks. And, you know, Vinny specifically was one of the guys that, you know, we want to, we want to hit it every day. And two weeks later, later, they're like, you know, what's, we want to lift every day. So I kind of rewrote the model and we did a five day model and they all quit after one week. They're like, no way. Like we get it. And, um, 
that was that that's kind of how the sports performance stuff evolved for me and we had a great summer that year i think by midsummer we had 12 guys or i had 12 guys and um we were going to a, a basketball court right by the gym we were working out at uh and we had you know rennie bork uh tim uh obviously the stapleton um Al Matoyas who joined us that summer. Connor Allen, great player, great guy. Uh, Ryan Schnell. Uh, Scott Gomez was actually with us for about six weeks that summer. And I remember looking at the basketball court and looking at all these guys, and I had all these sheets of paper. And, like, I, I, was, I got, like, sick. <laughs> I was, like, really nervous. I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, we don't even – been one year and like there's you know 30 million dollars of salary on a basketball court in the hood <laughs> in <laughs> Chicago um but I you know we got through it and, and nobody got hurt and we had a great great summer and I you know I asked a lot of guys for help uh back then and and kind of followed the guidance of my players too and that's just kind of how it evolved for for me um and the end of that summer everybody went to camp and did I mean I think Ryan Schnell actually uh tested like number one overall with Winnipeg uh, and, you know, had a good AHL career, but that's kind of how I got into the whole, the whole training side. It's just uh, where at that now I, I never could have imagined. That's so cool, Brian. Let, let me ask you a question that you brought up there at the end and, and something that I always, you know, get, get slightly nervous about because you like I, we like to push our guys because we want to do things that others won't. And, uh, we want to get guys out of their comfort zones and make them better and things like that. How do you manage being able to push these guys who are worth millions and millions of dollars, uh, you know, guys who are potentially going to be worth millions of dollars that are in college and juniors? How do you balance pushing them and not pushing them too hard to where maybe they'll open themselves up to injuries and things like that in the gym? Yeah, I mean, well, one is, you know, obviously warming up. I mean, we, we do, we warm up for half an hour and I think it's the art of coaching, right? Like your guys have to be able to move. And if they can't move well, you can't really be crushing them with weights. And, you know, I was really lucky early in my career to have really, really good athletes. So, you know, that allowed me to, to be able to push it a little more, but I think, you know, Matt Nickel taught me this. Uh, he was a great coach, great guy, um, he said, you know, I think one of the keys to coaching is getting your gut, you know, be creative, obviously, and, and, you know, and try to do new things. And, but also getting your guys to want to do the same simple stuff that works, right? Split squats and, and deadlifts and squatting. And I think, uh, as far as like pushing performance, um, you know, that's, that's the art of coaching and knowing your athlete, right? and just getting your athlete to really buy in. And I think that's a way where they push themselves. Then it's just a matter, I think, of the coach monitoring, making sure they don't get hurt, right, and watching that form. But I think we have a culture. We've, through our the players I've had, have developed a culture uh, within our weight room where we have a lot of guys that all are trying to do the same thing, you know. And when you have that culture and that good energy, maybe that sounds a little cliche and, there's no science behind that, right? It's, that's a, that's a team thing, you know, and when, when you have that atmosphere in your gym, guys are going to push it, you know, and they're like, I think we're good at that where we're, you know, having that, putting that extra plate on, you know, I've, I've had other trainers come in and want to shadow and watch what we do. And like, how do you know how to do this or do when? And I'm like, you just kind of know, you know, you, you know, when a guy's having a good day, 
And, you know, like we'll have some guys PR maybe once or twice in the summer. Um, Colin Sawyer is a guy a couple weeks ago. And Nikki Belpedio, they were having a good, you could just see it. You could see it in their faces. You can see, you evaluate them right when they walk in the room, you know, ask them questions like, how do you feel today? Oh, man, last night, you know, whatever, my girlfriend broke up with me. Okay, well, that's not a day we're going to PR, you know, like right. knowing the <laughs> right. athletes and, know, and knowing, right. you know, knowing what's going on in their lives. Uh, I think stress and stuff like that. Like, guys, when I know this is a time of year when everybody's pretty much signed, right? Like, and, but I've, I've noticed with guys in the pro level that don't have contracts um, and you're, they're waiting on that, you know. You've you got to be careful with guys like that. They're not all into it mentally. Um, Brandon Peary's a guy who last year, you know, he wasn't really into it mentally the first week. And I just kept trying to be positive with him. Like, dude, you're, you're awesome. Like, let's have fun here and, and go for it and see what happens. And he really bought into that. And it wasn't just me. He bought into it because he saw, you know, the guys coming in in a good mood and warming up and doing their stuff. And uh, he started pushing himself. I mean, that guy, I like the NHL, you know, watch out this year because he's coming, man. He's, he's having a fantastic summer and, I, you know, I, I hope that's a good answer to your question. I don't, you know, like we don't have, you know, all the sensors and tendos and things like that. I think it's how to know when to push your guys is knowing your players, having a good culture. That's why I love you, Jeff, and like watching, you're one of my favorite people to watch online, and I love texting with you because I see that energy there. Like your players believe in you, they believe in what you're doing, and they're going to, they trust you, and, and that's how you can push them, you know, and that's how you can put the extra plate on. And not all gyms are like that, you know. They're not, uh, especially like team gyms. Like that's the other advantage I have, right? Like I don't have to worry about their GM firing me, you know? So <laughs> we can kind of, we can, you know, like we can push it. They can be sore. Uh, but once you get into August, I think that's kind of the end of all that stuff. It's, it's go time at that point. Brian, I'm dealing, I'm liking that you're talking about NHL guys because I've been dealing a lot with this this summer with, with the amount of NHL guys I have. How much as a private strength coach are you dealing and talking with your guys who are on NHL contracts and AHL contracts? How much do you talk with their team strength coaches or GMs or scouts or trainers? How much information are you passing back and forth about how to help your guys that are with those teams? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it, it's, it's honestly, it's pretty minimal. Um, the guy, they, they, most of them check in, um, especially the NHL level, uh, you know, Toronto, um, has a fantastic, uh, minor league strength coach slash PT. Um, they all check in. It's normal, which usually if guys are injured, um, we're, I think we're really lucky. We, we have a pretty good reputation now, uh, of sending guys into camp, you know, fresh and healthy, um, which is the, your number one priority in our industry, you know, is, is guys showing up uh, injury-free and, and healthy. Not very much beyond that, um, unless they're, they're injured. But they usually will call and check in, or if it's a new player, uh, a rookie, they want to make sure that, um, you know, that we know what we're doing. And this was actually my first year being on the other side of that phone call um, with NTDP having to – you know, be the guy to call all those, all those trainers. So, um, well, let's, no, I, hey, I, let's I talk about it. that. Let's talk about that. You were recently named the strength coach for the national team development program for team USA. Hey, Hey, Oh, ever heard of it? Team USA, not a big deal. <laughs> um, very exciting. Very, very, very well deserved. But how did, how did getting that job come about as you, from a guy from Chicago, not even in the Michigan area? 
Um, we got, uh, you know, Pat played for Robleski, um, who's a, just an unbelievable coach when he was in Gwinnett, uh, in the East coast league. And we just kind of stayed in touch with them. We obviously be on the private side, you know, you, you have to network and, and for referrals and get players in. And, um, when he got hired on at, at NTP, uh, a few years ago, we just connected with him to let us, let him know what we were doing. Um, and then a couple, or two years ago, they contacted us there, or I guess a year and a half ago, they lost their, they had a guy who'd come in and do body composition, um, testing with all their players. Uh, he did some really cool stuff and he had moved on to another position. Um, so we interviewed for that. We didn't get it. Um, and then whenever they, you know, uh, Daryl had stepped, moved on, um, they, we got an email from uh, Mr. Monahan for a, an RFP. Uh, so we put together a presentation, and uh, I'm not sure how many candidates were in it or, or not, but it, it got down, I know, to like five, and then we went up and did a presentation for uh, the NTDP staff, and uh, two, you know, it was a couple weeks of a lot of stress <laughs> and waiting, and uh, they called, and we, we got it, uh, and we get it as a, as a team, my wife, my brother, um, and our head trainer, Juan, uh, Gonzalez, who, by the way, uh, it's, this is awesome being interviewed and I, I'm a, I'm a real, I think I'm an okay strength coach, but he's a guy who's going to write a book one day. And I, I've been really lucky to have good trainers like that around. Um, and that's kind of how it happened. And we did an RFP and we went up there and, and we took it. <laughs> um, now I'm moving to Plymouth. So I, <laughs> not really my wife when we got married our plan was to move south and uh she, she's like you're taking me further north <laughs> <laughs> to but beautiful plymouth why. michigan yeah <laughs> very that, cool that's very exciting man congratulations on you guys getting that that is awesome yeah yeah for oh, sure thank yeah thank you very much man we're we're really excited you know it's uh for us in chicago it's a huge team when like i you know, I've never really asked uh, the players that have trained for me for anything. And we've had quite a few guys that have been through the program. And this is the first time, you know, something I really wanted to do. And I reached out to all of them uh, and they all helped uh, and, and referred. I know, you know, Piers and Belpedio, Mersh, McCabe. Uh, we had a lot of guys call up there, even Vinny Laverde. Uh, and they put their, their names out there for us. And I was super humbled by it. Uh, I was emotional, um, just, just at their response and, and helping us through this get, you know, with the process, uh, obviously we went up and we did a, a great job, I think, uh, at the presentation, but, um, those guys backing us are, are why we got it. Um, and I would at, you know, Stapleton, all these guys we've had over the years, I've had, no, no chance that we would we be in this situation without them. So I'm, I'm really pumped to work with, uh, no, that age, that age of player. Uh, there's, you see a lot of results at that point, which is really, really cool. And they're very, they're very malleable too. And, and, you know, oh, nice, I, I've wor- seen nice a nice word there, Jeffrey. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, that was you good, know, Jeff. I, I didn't <laughs> my coffee. Hey, yeah, two, two and a half years of college. Um, <laughs> clearly didn't learn that uh, word unless from Nish. But, um, you know, it's it, I will never forget when all the kids in St. Louis started making the USA NTDP, they would leave the first year little boys. 
and they would come back men. It was like, it was literally crazy. One of the Fredericks, I trained Trent Frederick, um, played for Boston last year. If you haven't seen his first game, YouTube Trent Frederick and watch him absolutely pound a guy in his first game. The guy is a savage, unbelievably nice kid. So it's funny that he's that tough, but he told me the other day that he gained 30 pounds after his first year and a half at the program. Like he went up there tiny and he came back an absolute unit. This guy is a monster. So it's really cool getting to work with guys that are that dedicated. And then on top of that, you know, we've talked about it on this show multiple times, how, you know, their whole model is all about development. It's all about not wins and losses, especially that first year. It's let's get these guys to be better hockey players, a lot stronger, a lot faster, a lot leaner, all that stuff. So they are in very good hands with you. And that, that is super exciting, man. I, oh, when do you move up there? Um, I'm back and forth for the next couple of weeks. I, I'm going up for world juniors on Thursday. So I, we still got some back and forth, but I'll probably be up there full time right around the 15th. Um, yeah, it's real exciting. And what you just to touch on what you said with, uh, development, man, you know, I, I went up there and I, you know, they haven't announced it yet, but I went up and did training camp, um, and I was blown away at, you know, and when they, when they came to the gym, you know, kids, they, they couldn't really move. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> These guys can't move. But you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they pick things up fast. You know, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm, I can't lift them or do anything. They can't jump from here to there without falling down. And then, um, you know, after a week of just mobility and movement, um, we got after it, man. And I – they – you're right. Like the dedication there. I was such a cool learning experience. Like I went out to practice and when I went on the ice and watched practice, that's when I really understood like the essence of what they do up there. Um, you know, it isn't about games. Those kids are going into practice for two hours a day and they're competing against each other nonstop all out. Um, every rep they do with urgency, they celebrate after goals and I was blown away and that, you know, to touch on your, yeah, like your question and what you asked about how to push guys. When I saw that practice, I was like, okay, like we're going to go to another level. And I pushed them harder than I've ever pushed a group ever in my career. I think if I did some of the stuff I did with them in those seven weeks, uh, all my guys in Chicago would fire me and I'd be out of business. Um, (laughs) But they can take it, you know. They can take it. Um, it and was, they want to take really it. It's really cool. And they want to take it. You're right. Even something as simple as, like, weight gain. One of the guys texted me, like, Coach, since you got here, I've lost, you know, three, four pounds. So I was like, cool. And meeting tomorrow, theater room. We had a meeting. I told him, like, look, like, you're, you're on the ice two hours. You're in, you got class. You got tests. You got all this stuff. And then I'm going to beat the hell out of you for two hours. You need to eat. Period. That's how you're going to gain weight. That's how it's going to happen. Isn't going to happen in the weight room. It's not going to happen from some magic shake after workouts. Like it's going to happen from eating food and something that's been really cool to bring back to my players in Chicago within two weeks, everyone's up five, six pounds, everybody. You know, I've had kids, I've had young players in Chicago that are great players. Um, and it, uh, it can take six months to get them to understand stuff like that. And I've been telling guys that in Chicago and it's been really cool to bring some of that learning experience to hear, like these are the guys you're competing against, you know, and those kids are going to get every break because they're with NTP, you know, but there's a lot of good junior players out there that, that need to learn those extra little things. Just like, like I was telling you my experience with minor league guys, you know, like they got, you know, Vinny had to do extra stuff to make it at the NHL level, 
you know, Pat Canoni is a guy who had to do, was on the bike after workouts and, you know, and, and putting extra time in nutrition, you know, not everybody's got these super genetics, um, up there though, they do. <laughs> uh, so and, so let know, me ask you this, let me ask you this, yeah. Brian, because this podcast, you know, it, a lot of younger hockey players, um, and their parents and dedicated hockey players listen to this. You as the USA strength coach, what are you telling these guys? What are the most important things they need to be doing to, to, to help themselves off the ice get better? What do you think are, are some of those staples that they should be doing? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the standard stuff, you know, train, eat right, good habits. Um, but I, I think the, the big thing that we preach a lot uh, to our players is life habits, having good life habits. Um, and that's, you know, like University of Wisconsin, man, Jim Schneider, like one of my idols, like the guy has created a culture um, and his players, I, and I'll say this, you know, I've said it to uh, uh, dozens of players, like those kids come out of that school so prepared for life. Like forget hockey, like those guys know the basics of nutrition. They know how their bodies work. Um, they know how to manage their lifestyles. Uh, you know, and that's in, in all areas, even like their social life, they have good balanced lifestyles and you see them have a lot of success in the pros. You see those, uh, not just at the, I, you know, I think there's a difference, right? Being an NHL player and a career hockey player. Um, and there's a great career in it. If you have good habits, you know, you can get paid really well to be a captain in the minors. And if I could tell like young kids, like get your habits down, you know, are you on your phone all night? Do you sleep with it in your room? You know, how much time are you, you on that screen? And I, and I tell the kids this, like, uh, you know, my wife took away uh, cable last year. That's what happens, you know, when you get married. You start losing things. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, if she listens, hi, I love you. She's the reason we have all this. So I, she's, my, she's my everything. But um, she, we, we took cable away, and I discovered Netflix on my phone, like, and started watching, like, gangster shows at night in bed. And, like, I have bad dreams and you know, like, uh, it's, uh, it's a bad habit. And the reality of it is, like, technology and, and this stuff is a real thing. You know, like, kids are, have to deal with this. But when you're, you know, there's a lot of studies out there now that are, are showing that, you know, video games constantly and the screens are, are causing, you know, neurological problems um, with our, our young people. And, you know, if you're uh, a borderline NHL player and you have to compete against Connor McDavid, and I'm sorry, but... Connor McDavid's brain works faster than everyone else in the NHL. Like it's the, he's not just fast, like he's fast and can think. Like you need to do every little thing you can to compete with that guy. And I, you know, I think it just comes back to habits, man. Having good life habits. Uh, you know, do you read and 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 positive? Like, are you a positive person, or does every little thing get you down? You know, like are you? Oh, like uh, I had a bad game. I see it in the gym. Here's a you know, you asked about like my interaction with. NHL teams, one of the questions I've been getting, which I thought is really interesting, um, one team uh, specifically asked, how does this specific player handle adversity in the weight room? And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> what do you mean adversity? Like, it's hard. <laughs> and I'm like, thinking about it, it's an interesting question, right? Like, when, if he's been, I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, when he's having a bad day, how does he handle it? That's what the player, this, this team wanted to know. They didn't want to know how high he could jump or how, you know, how fast he was or, you know, um, what, where he was at physically, like they wanted to know what was, how everything was working between his ears. And I was like, that's a really interesting question. Cause you got to think like we spend more time, right? Jeff, like, like the, with these kids than any other 
person in the summer. I mean, they're with you every day. They probably hate us by, by August, but you know, I, I, I hope that's a answer to that. I just think, you know, kids, you gotta be, be positive and, and be grateful for it. Like, come on, man. Like if you're in juniors or in college, like when are you ever going to get to do that again? You know, like enjoy it. Cause when it gets to be a pro, like it's a job, you know, and you gotta kind of love it a little bit, you know, to, to sustain a career. But I think it's all comes back to habits and, and developing those at a young age, because it's a lot harder when you get older, man, to make changes, you know, and I, I can testify to that. Like I had to change careers. That was hard, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to, to change habits once they're, once they're ingrained. Yeah. I mean, I, I like what you said and it's so funny and I'm sure I've said something um, similar on this podcast before, but I can tell when kids turn about 16, 17, 18, um, you know, if they've been with me for a while, I can definitely tell. And I usually try and curb this, but like, I can tell the guys who, when things are hard in the gym or they're having a bad day and I can tell when they give up and the kids who constantly do that, you know, obviously I'm there to try and talk them out of that and tell them why they can't be doing that. But the ones who just continue to do that, I know that they're not going to make it in hockey. And that doesn't mean they're a bad kid yeah. or anything, but I know they're not going to make it in hockey just from how they give up in the gym. Because it, it, when things get hard, if you give up, you're not, you're, you just can't make it in this game and make it again as a relative term. Are you going to make it to the next level of juniors or to D3 or to D1 or to pro, whatever that next level is for you? I know that they're mentally not flexing those, those muscles to always work their mental toughness and things like that. And that's obviously part of my job is to show them why they need to keep doing that. But the kids who constantly give up and team workouts and stuff, it's, I know, I know it, it, it is a skill and it's something that needs to be practiced. And Toph talks about that a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, it, it, it's so true. I, I'm really happy that you said an NHL team actually asked about that. That's really cool. Cause what we do is to help them get better on the ice. When I was playing, it was like, well, what does he bench? What does he squat? How many pull-ups does he do? And now they're realizing, Hey, what's on the ice matters and just do stuff off the ice to help you on the ice. Yeah. I think that's like, uh, it's, it's such an important point. And something that you said kind of resonated a little bit because you were talking about how um, like those players have to compete with Connor McDavid. I don't know if they necessarily compete with Connor McDavid, but they're competing with literally hundreds or thousands of other people of the same ability that they have for those like last couple spots on an NHL roster or an AHL roster, whatever right. it may be. And I've, I distinctly remember sitting around in a group of coaches of all different levels, NHL, AHL and, and college and stuff like that. And one of the questions I asked them was like, what sets the guys apart that have, you know, the Vinny Laverdes who have the long careers or the Pat Canonies, like you said, cause I actually know those guys. I coached them at Miami of Ohio. Um, I asked them like, what sets those guys apart? And it was exactly the two things that you just talked about. It was, they were able to handle it adversity because at the end of the day, those guys are going to get sent down at some point in their careers, right? right. Like 85% of the players playing in the NHL have been sent down to the AHL. Um, but the other thing that they talked about was just life habits and what they do on a day, on a day-to-day basis. Like, are they predictable with what they're doing in terms of getting better? Are they going to be on the ice before practice? Are they doing things with you guys in the weight room? That's going to help them to get better. And like the two things that you just talked about, I, those were the exact things that the coaches at the highest levels were saying were the determining factors of quote unquote, making it in professional hockey. And that's not, that's, I don't think that's a hockey thing. I think that's a life thing too. So, um, yeah. I just think it's so cool 
cool how like you're talking about at your level with the guys that you train and where you're at right now, how important those things are. Cause those are things that we really believe in and, and talk a lot about on this podcast for sure. Yeah. It's just positive, right? Like it, it projecting it. And if you put it out there and it's, it's something you learn in life, right? You, you got to learn or you don't have to, but it's, there's, I think there's times where I fake it. And, there, but I, I would like to think I'm, consistently you know and I've learned this from my wife like she nothing ever really bothers her too much and you know I just if you put out positive energy on a daily basis it's going to come back to you you know and it's it's that law of attraction right and, and yeah. I, I send a video yeah. to all my players about that and you know like if you, you what you put out there is going to come back and if you want to play pro hockey and you really do and I ask a lot of kids that and they all raise their hand but or do you really you know like if you really really do like the USA thing and um you know, hopefully, uh, I don't know if any of these guys ever listened to this, but like, I didn't go up there, and my brother and I, we didn't go up there to not get that. You know, we and we put it out there, and we were positive about it. And I, you know, I was, I've done quite a few of those kind of presentations now, and that was the first one. I was really confident, and I just felt good about it. And I was like, there's no one that can come in here and do a better job. And you know, that was in a room with two, fan, and I think two of the best coaches in the game. And, you know, and we got it. And I think you almost, when you get that, you kind of got to be careful when you live that way because then you start getting too much stuff. <laughs> you got you to deal with it. And I, my brother is a good example. I tell this story a lot. Uh, he, Pat, Patrick grew up a huge Michigan fan. Like, and we would make fun of him all the time. He'd be all sad on Sundays if they, or Saturdays if Michigan football team would lose, even when he was a little kid. And he always wanted to play for Michigan. And we were doing the speaking event uh, for a, one of these advising companies um, a few years ago. And we were talking to these kids about positivity and all that. And we realized, uh, you know, Pat wanted to play for Michigan. And, then, you know, his junior career wasn't – he kind of took a little bit of a road less traveled and, and ended up at Western Michigan. His last game he ever played was in Yost against uh, Michigan – his line, I think, was one of the only lines that could carry the puck in his own. Michigan had, you know, Palooza. <laughs> they were, I mean, Cap Russo. They were, they were loaded. Summers. Uh, they had a bunch Turnbull. of NHL players. Turnbull. I mean, they were, they were awesome. And you know, we they lost the game, but Pat finished his career in Yost, and he won the scoring title that year. Um, and he beat out a couple kids from that team. And I think that's we were we were telling the story. I was like, wow, you know, like he put it out there about this Michigan thing, and maybe he didn't play there. You know, as I say to kids, like, be specific about your goals. You want to play for the Blackhawks? You want to be first overall pick? Well, maybe you don't end up being the first overall pick, but maybe you're Hornquist, and, you know, and you end up playing on a line with Cindy Crosby, and you're the last pick in the draft. You play, you know, you win however many Stanley Cups that guy won. Like, it doesn't may not be the way you project it, but if you put that out there, it's going to come back to you. It absolutely will. Well, let me ask that's you. Awesome. Yeah, that's unreal. Well, let me ask you a question that kind of has it goes along with what you're saying right now, and um, and how you train your players, and even your attitude when you went up with your interview and stuff like that. I I've always been a believer that on the ice, you know, what you're doing is important, but how you're doing it is so much more important than even what you're doing. Is that something that you subscribe to in the weight room? Um, because even like beforehand, we were talking about, um, before we kind of even pressed record, we were talking about just like, you know, ways you do things in the old school versus the new school and, and things like that. Um, how, how important do you think what, uh, what you're doing is and how you're doing, sorry, how, how important do you think 
how you're doing things is compared to like what you're doing in the weight room? I think it's super important. And that's something I, I think I learned more at being up at NTDP uh, over spring was the urgency in every rep. Like these kids would try so hard on every little thing they do. And when I came back to Chicago, you know, we have a lot of players this summer. We're really lucky. We have a great team. Um, I've noticed, you know, some kind of kids just do go through the motions um, and they still work out hard, but there's not like urgency in that, that repetition. And they're not, there's, there's, there's a difference. You can see it with the elite guys and you can see it with guys that are kind of in the middle. And the other day I was watching something on that coach's tube, uh, a speech from uh, uh, Nick Saban. Um, and he said, you know, you can, if you do things mediocre, you're going to get mediocre results. If you want to be elite, you need to do things elite, right? You need to everything. And that's, comes back to the habits. And I think, uh, I think it does matter how you do things. Cause you can just go through the motions. There's a lot of gyms out there where uh, guys just go through the motions and they, and they get in shape. But if you really want to increase performance, you really, really want to smash testing. You need to push it and you know, you need to do things and do things right. But I think if I actually I was telling some players, that's a great question. I was telling some players today, I kind of got, got into it with a couple guys. I was like, you need to do, put some emotion into what you're doing. Like here, you're just throwing, you're like dropping the ball and jumping. You need to smash it. And I had, I pointed at another player and I'm like, see what, how he just did that. And this uh, specific player, I think is going to play in the NHL one day. And I'm like, look at how he just did that, you know, and you just dropped it. (laughs) Like put, you got to, is that, is that a good answer to your question? I I think that's, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, Brian. That's uh, in the gym there, you know, I'll have two guys next to each other. And just like the example you use, like slamming a ball, like an overhead ball slammed down to the ground. One guy is trying to kill the ground and one guy is just throwing it down. And that's what Toe's talking about. It's not what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. And I tell the guys every day, set your intentions. When you come into the gym, you walk into the gym and on my board, it says, why are you here what are your goals? You have to, th- I make them think about them before they start their warm up. Why are you here? Cause that's going to change how you go about your warm up. Are you just, uh, I'm dynamicing, uh, I'm doing movement or are you doing right. it to get better? And you know, I've got, I got two first rounders, uh, two second rounders in my first group in the morning. And then I have a guy who's on the East coast deal. That guy on the East coast deal <laughs> He is hungrier than those first rounders. I'll tell you. And I use him as an example. I say, look at this guy. Look how hungry he is. And look where his ceiling is and look where yours is. Yours is probably higher. So why don't you work that hard and work how he's doing it? And where will you be if you set your intentions and you do that? Like how you do everything. What is that saying that was it Ricky Mendez told? How you do how anything you do is everything? how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. Correct. I love it. Love it. <laughs> well, that's one thing that I tell tell the kids all the time on the ice. Like, don't like if we're doing a skill drill, don't just do the drill because that's what I drew up. Do the drill to get better. Like, have a purpose for it. You know, if you just do it because that's what was asked, like you're not going to get better. Like, it could be Mike Babcock drawing up the best drill in the world. It could be Brian Galvin or or uh, Jeff Lavecchio like doing the best, uh, you know, the best version of a certain 
uh, workout. And it, it just doesn't matter. If you don't put everything you have into it, you're not going to get better. So like we can draw up the best stuff and we can, and that's why I think like hearing you guys talk, like Jeff, we talk all the time, but Brian hearing you talk right now, like there's so much more to being a strength coach than just being a strength coach. Like you're, you're like, you're like a life coach and you talk about life habits and you talk about, you know, getting to know your players and you talk about seeing how they come into the, like, I thought it was amazing what you were talking about on like just watching your guys come in to the weight room and being like, okay, this is a day that we can get a PR because I know like that's the kind of attitude that he's coming in, the kind of energy that he has coming in today. Or if he doesn't have that kind of energy, like coaching him in a different way, just coaching is coaching. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Leadership is leadership. It doesn't matter what job or what uh, facet of life. I just, it's so amazing that in these conversations that we have, Jeff, like it all kind of comes back to the same stuff. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. And you know, we, we have arguably the best strength coach in the U S working for team USA (laughs) And he, and and he's telling us, you know, the stuff that we are trying to tell people all the time, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. That's basically what Brian is saying there. And he's working with the best 16, 17, 18 year olds in the country. I mean, for, for you kids and parents listening to this, like, I can't stress it anymore. Hear those words. It's like when I, we talked about like shooting drills, you know, I don't even remember which podcast it was, but like, I've never been mad at a kid for making a, making a mistake in a game, like when he's trying and stuff, but I almost broke my, I tried to break my stick over the glass last year, my first year (laughs) coaching, because I had, I had four guys, I had four guys come out for the first shooting drill. They didn't have their chin straps done. And they were muffining the puck into the net and just like lollygagging into the corner. And what are they doing? They're practicing, but how are they doing it? Not with intention, not to get better. I want every single shot for you to try and score. I want you to try and bury that puck through the netting. And if the goalie stops it, it's going to hurt him. Like that's the intention you should have. And I guarantee you that's the intention that Brian Gallivan's guys at USA have the best players in the country, as he's already stated. I wonder if you got Brian, I'll ask you this question, Jeff. I'd love to hear what you think too. Like, you know, you have, let's say you have a group of kids, you have a team and you had hockey coaches go run a practice and then you had strength coaches go run uh, a strength and conditioning session. I wonder if they could, if they sat in a room and kind of like rank guys based on like, you know, if they were going to make it or not, if it would be very similar based on their attitude, based on their energy, based on their work ethic. Not on skill. Not on skill. No, not on skill. Based on like, you know, cause I, if you're, if you're slacking off, I, I've, I know very few kids that slack off in one that give it their all in the other, you know, most of yeah. them, it's either both or none, you know? So what, what would you guys think to that? Brian, I'll start with you. Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> I bet it would be really similar. Um, you know, I, I, I know like hockey is kind of one of those unique sports where there's a lot of skill, you know, like, Somebody in the gym that may just be an animal just may not have that that skill on the, on the ice. Um, I think I just from the experience I had uh, with the the seventeen two B eighteen team at NTDP. I think my analysis and, and was very similar to what uh, I was told by the coaches. You know, and there was a few guys you want to try to get more out of, um, but I bet it was it was pretty 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 dang close. And I think that's there's two things like it's. Uh, you know, the, the NHL and, and being a career player, are, I think, are different. Um, and I, I'm i not any judge of, of what's going on on the ice by, by any means. Uh, and that's something I've been learning up there. Like, 
some of the players are just like, yeah, this kid's a wizard. And I look at him in the gym and I'm like, what? Like, no way. <laughs> he can't even do a somersault, you know, but they're an incredible hockey player. Uh, I think it may be a little easier to evaluate that than maybe football. <laughs> or, uh, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that's just my, my opinion. But I bet it's close for sure. Yeah, looking at it, hockey is a funny sport like that because it's not – it's not like football or baseball or basketball where you can, if you can run on land, you do that in the game. Hockey's way different. There's so many skill components in the game of hockey to be good at it. But looking at a mindset, older guys, I think, yes, you can a hundred percent tell once they hit like 18, 19, 20 yeah. and above, you can tell the mindset in the gym will translate to the ice and vice versa for the most part. The thing with the younger kids is some of those younger kids still think, well, I'm just this good right now today. I'll always be this good. I don't need to work in the gym. So you kind of see that at the younger ages way more as when they get to juniors, all of a sudden that's where the big wake up call is. That's where it's like, Oh my God, my first year juniors, I worked out four days a week. I have to get strong or else these guys who are older than me, dummy me in the corners. So when they're below 16, they, there are those kids who are cocky and think, well, I'm just nasty. I don't need to work out. They're in for a rude awakening, but I do believe that's where Brian and I have to mentor those kids. And it's our job as not just a strength coach, as in like just lifting and plyometrics and that stuff. That's where, because we have them four days a week, five days a week in the summer, we need to, to really get into their brains and be like, this is why it's important. Ask the older guys, come and watch my pro I, I love having like my pro, one of my pro guys every now and then work with the younger kids. And I say, look at, look at his intention, look at his focus, look at how he's like, okay, that's a minute. I got to go now because I only can take a minute rest on this exercise. So they learn that from the older guys. And that's how I kind of build that in you need to do this so if that makes sense yeah absolutely absolutely i mean i remember pat you know it's kind of another th- i didn't say about how we got into training you know when pat left juniors i mean he was like 140 150 pounds and i mean we worked out that summer going into western but i mean he threw up every day <laughs> for like two weeks he called and he's like this is this is not like i was not prepared and you know and no that, that he changed. wasn't yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't prepared at all his no. freshman year. Like, no. I, and I and he would tell you that. And like, you look at the difference between his like, I mean, I can't be for sure, but like, I'd say Pat had probably seven or eight points his freshman year of college, ten, and then yep. his sophomore yeah. year he probably went up to like thirty. You know, I mean, he was playing with yeah. me his sophomore year, but right, um, right. kidding, obviously. <laughs> um, but no, but the difference in Pat's not only mindset but his body between coming in freshman year and coming into sophomore year, a hundred percent different. He got yoked. Well, let yeah. me ask. Let me ask you yeah. this, Brian, because this kind of goes along with what Jeff is saying. Like, one of the biggest questions that we get asked, you know, in the sports performance world. Um, is, is confidence, you know, like how do you build confidence and with what you guys do in the weight room and making kids bigger and stronger. And I just feel like a natural confidence comes with that kind of attitude and energy in the weight room, because you can also see physical gains. Like you can see yourself putting up another rep at a certain weight, or you can see yourself putting on weight or whatever that may be. Like how much of what you guys do is uh, kind of like goes along with the mental aspect of building confidence, which is so important in, uh, in the sport of hockey or any sport for that matter. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, the gym for me, I mean, I didn't, I didn't train hard in high school. You know, I like, I played sports for fun. It was more social for me. Um, but when I got older and I started working out and getting re- results, uh, because I fell in love with it and I, it, it completely changed me from a confidence standpoint. You know, um, I think that's, what's so cool about what we do. Like forget sports performance for a minute. Like how about someone that goes to the gym that's really overweight and loses a hundred pounds and looks in the mirror and just completely transforms their life, you know, and it did that for me. I was a skinny kid. I, it t- took me a while to develop. I couldn't really put weight on until, you know, 22, 23 years old. But when I did that, I mean, it just changed everything for me, um, it, how I carried myself, um, how I was at work, you know, it, it just totally changed my life. And I think that's why I really fell in love with just the industry. Cause you can really help people and, you know, I think that's uh, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. It's a really good point. I think it, like at NTDP, you know, those kids, you said, Jeff, like a kid put on 30 pounds. Like you put on 30 pounds and can go in a corner with someone and, you know, and, and handle yourself. You're confident, you know, and you feel, you feel good about yourself and it feels good. And you look in the mirror and you're healthy. And I think it changes your whole, it changes how your, your body and brain will, will handle stress, right? Like if you're, you're, you know, overweight or really skinny, that, that affected me. And I wasn't real confident. And I, you know, I, I had some issues with uh, anxiety when I was a kid. Um, and that, that can cause your body, you know, your cortisol levels to be all over the place. Um, but once I started working out and, and developed a healthy lifestyle, man, I, it got, I got really confident. Um, I think it's, uh, it's probably the, the, the most important part of the, of what you get out of the gym. Um, besides, you know, you know, having nice arms when you go to the beach, right? Like, um, <laughs> Jeff wouldn't you know, know anything that, about that. Right. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I mean, that's why I started working out. I was like, all right, cool. You know, like it's uh, a little easier to talk to, to, to girls. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, that, that was, that, that's what it did for me. Um, but like you said with Pat, you know, Jeff, I mean, he went into that second year a lot more confident. Um, oh, yeah. Even his second, his second year pro. You know, he went in, he was even more jacked and went into camp really confident. You know, he got injured, but, um, he, you know, he was, he was pumped. And I think that's why our players test so well, um, you know, is having a good summer and you leave, if you like kids always ask, this is a question I get a lot about testing, you know, I have all these guys bring me all these different tests and it's, I've seen everything. It's crazy. Some of the tests these teams do. And I'm just like, look, like your body's going to do what it's going to do. You need to go in and believe and be confident that you're just going to smash whatever they put in front of you. And there are some you have to practice. There's no doubt. And I'm not discrediting that. Um, but when you're, you're mentally prepared, you're going to crush testing. Um, and that, 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 like Ryan Schnell, like we didn't know what he was really doing at camp. And he went up there and just destroyed fitness testing for Winnipeg. And that wasn't any fancy trick or anything we did in the gym. And I don't think any trainers should take credit for that stuff. You know, if your your guys go in and do that, they do it themselves. And if they're mentally prepared and, and healthy and happy and ready to go, they're going to crush it. Like uh, the NHL combine. I mean, how much do those tests really like have value, you know, on what that player is going to do in his career? Like, Come on, tell, tell a guy like Terrace Ankle he's got to do more pull-ups, you know, or, or whoever the kid was a couple of years ago that had got two. Casey Middlestad. All the kids yeah. bring that up to me, Brian. <laughs> 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 well, that, knowing that, 
is when I'm like, come on, push, push, push. And if one of them gives up, yeah. well, Casey Middlestad couldn't do a pull up. And I go, you're the same age. He's in the NHL. Shut up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Like Casey Middlestad can hit a fly on a crossbar probably from the other side of the rink. So right. like, <laughs> I think there's, it's funny. Like there, that, that, uh, that's something I also, I've, I've had to learn at NTDP, like the tests matter and you want to see improvement, but I think how you, you know, you, you need to see improvement, you need to show improvement because they can, they can change, you know, your coach's perception of you, but you need to go in there confident and the more, more than anything, and you'll crush it. It's like uh jump, like I was like a vertical jump. I tell kids all the time, like, don't jump to the box. You need to jump oh. to the ceiling. Oh. That's where you land. You land on that box. doesn't Thank matter how, how high it is. Thank <laughs> you. Thank I, you. I, I'm back to Buster Stapleton, man. Like I've seen him jump on boxes, you know, that were taller than his head. Cause he ain't the tallest guy. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was just like, dude, close your eyes. Just jump. <laughs> and he got right up there. So. <laughs> That's going to make all my clients listen to this podcast. <laughs> you just repeat so many things that I say to them. And you're way smarter than me. So this makes me happy. I say the same thing with Toph. <laughs> hey, G- Gally, let me, let me ask you another question. Um, so if you're not following GVN performance on Twitter. It's you guys do a lot of stuff on Instagram. I think like you, you got to start following them because they do an amazing job and I learn a lot. And just in hearing you talk, you know, you're clearly a lifelong learner going and you have your mentors and you've been to a bunch of different places and, um, you really value getting better. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you going around with that is when I talk to strength coaches a lot, um, there's a certain attitude of like old school versus new school. And mm-hmm. it, it's such like a, if you, you get a different answer when you talk to a bunch of different people and like you guys are doing a lot of new school stuff, but there's always like, kind of like when you talk to trainers, you have to go back to the basics, almost like what you were talking about with Matt Nickel earlier on doing, you know, kind of the same stuff really good all over again. How do you blend right. the, the old school um, with the new school and the things that you've learned? Cause I think that's something that strength coaches that are listening to this would be really interested in. Also me, I'm interested in it too, in what you have to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's an ever evolving industry. I mean, we're dealing with the human body, right? I mean, it's something that's never going to be completely figured out and how we trained 20 years ago, even just 10 years ago is, is very different. Uh, but there are, there are simple primal movements that, that work. Um, I think every coach or strength coach has their own spin on things. Um, I think there's a lot of strength coaches out there that, um, you know, either take a lot of credit for their athletes' success or, or uh, think they've reinvented the wheel. Like, it, I, we didn't reinvent the wheel. Like, I, I, for us, it's culture and, and work hard. But I think when you – I think where – when it, the the new I guess the next wave really with our field is technology and and how we integrate that with like acceleration monitors um, you know GPS tracking monitors you know it's kind of started out with just a simple heart rate monitor but that's went to this stuff has went to a completely different level um, my advice I guess of the strength coaches would be just to integrate things slowly um, I know for us uh, we use a monitor now an infrared laser uh, it's called Moxie monitor that uh, shows us how the body's utilizing oxygen. And uh, Juan Gonzalez, our, our head strength coach, uh, he came to me and was like, I want to do this. And we had never had technology in a weight room before. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I trust him. And he really took to it. Um, 
and it's uh it's been a, a game changer for us you know uh integrating breathing and um diaphragmatic breathing and, and strengthening uh in that side of it has been huge for us but i think if you there's so much out there you know and if you're into performance training i i'm a big believer and there's you know keep it simple like really keep it simple and you can get great results so you kind of I've always taken the approach of like evaluating my athletes at gym IQ, right? Like you get a guy out of college and you know, if you have one year of weight training, your IQ is a one. So if I have a guy from university of Wisconsin, that guy is going to have like a seven or eight gym IQ and we can do more advanced things with him. I think it gets more, it's more, uh, you need to kind of evaluate on where your athletes are at and, and how advanced you want to take them, you know? And, Cause like you want to get more with less, right? Like, especially in our, with this, you know, what Jeff and I do with in strength conditioning, we don't want to peak these kids when, when they're 16, you want to do it when they're 20. So, you know, I think it's just integrating things slowly. Um, yeah, I'm, we're really into movement and mobility. And I think that's a huge, a Gray's Institute. Uh, like this year, my brother uh, Pat went is going through an intensive mentorship with Gray's Institute, and I think they are cutting edge, and they're way ahead of. Uh, I mean, they've been doing working on body mechanics and movement or biomechanics and movement since you know the 70s. Um, and if I think if you're a strength coach out there that wants to really integrate some new techniques, that would be some education I would go get. And I I see a lot of it on social media, and you know trainers doing it, and and you know, kind of taking credit for it. But those are the guys I think it's that are, that are, are coming up with this stuff. Um, and it's game changing, but I, again, we're back to like your question and integrating new school with old school. It's that's the art of coaching, right. You know, and, and knowing your clientele and, and what they can and can't do. Uh, because we have, you know, our, when you have a career player, like we have a lot of NHL guys that they know their bodies, they know what they need to do. And we have guys that are doing, you know, lift, only lifting two days a week um, and doing yoga, Pilates, uh, and a lot more movement. But when you're building a young player, you know, the volume on them can be a lot higher and you can do, you know, that, that there needs to be a progression to it. That's, that's kind of always been my philosophy with that. That's, that. that's interesting. Jeff, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's... There's there's things that are basic that are going to help everyone and that everyone needs to be doing. And then from there, you know, you can add in the technology and you can learn how to best use what's out there. And but I think, you know, sometimes I can tell you and I talk about this all the time on here, like follow the right people on Instagram. Like I was I was following, you know, and I don't want to pick on women, but I was I was looking at I don't follow. I was looking at on that discovery page on Instagram. (laughs) It was a bunch of hot Instagram models showing videos of quote unquote, how to work out. And I I saw like six in a row and they all were doing like circuits with like dumbbell snatches, what they call dumbbell snatches. They clearly were not, they don't know how to dumbbell snatch and they've got like a million (laughs) likes on the video. And I'm like, you know, this is a pretty standard movement and you have no idea how you're doing it. And this massive tool that could be used for so much good Instagram, you're showing all these people uh, the incorrect way to do this. And, and like that, like bothers me so much. Like 
again, that's go back to follow. And I'm glad that you brought up following GVN because their Instagram is awesome. And literally like twice a week, I message Brian and I'm like, Hey, love this. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And he's awesome. He always <laughs> answers me. Um, you know, so that's, I mean, that's really cool. And that's another th- that thing real quick. That's cool about the strength coach community is that a lot of guys are very willing to help each other. I've been talking to, um, Pittsburgh and Wilkes Bears guy about one of my guys and he's sending me some, some food testing that he believes in Mike Joyce to, to help one of my guys. And, you know, the same thing, um, with Ottawa's guy, you know, it's just, it's really cool how everyone's there to help each other. And Brian is one of those guys, but back to the technology stuff. I mean, yeah, you could, you can use, it's like anything you can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Yeah. And there's so much of it now. Like it's, it, and it, it's the reality of it. And I think when it comes to the games, like they're wearing it, you know, they're, they're trying to measure impacts and, and learn more about the sport and what's going on with our players when they're playing. Um, you know, there's, there's good and bad to that, but I, I do think they're very useful tools. Uh, but it's like you, you talked about snatching, you know, like I, we use a, a model where we don't really do a lot of overhead movements. And I, something with hockey, just to touch on that, like, since there's a lot of kids, I guess, listening, you know, shoulder injuries are up. And I don't know if it's because the game is so fast, but we've rehabbed more shoulders in the last three years, I think, than I have in my whole career. Um, And I think it's like doing those simple things, right, like deadlift and squat um, and kind of backing off. We've backed off, you know, when I first started doing this, we did do a lot of hand cleans, um, some light light barbell snatching, but we just kind of got away from that and and focused more on using, like, contrast training and plyometrics uh, to get the response we want um, out, out of the body. And we've gotten really good results doing that and, and limited a lot of stress on the shoulders. So if they're, you know, that's, that's just a joint you got to protect. And, and unfortunately we can't, you know, um, they just, the game's so fast. It's, you know, the, the hips we've kind of figured out, like no one really, if you do what you're supposed to do in the summer, no one in hockey is really pulling their groin anymore. Um, but the shoulders are getting hurt. So, you know, you can get it as strong as you want, but you can't take away if it's going to get hit. Um, so I think, you know, in the summer, I've always looked at it. I was talking to one of my younger coaches the other day, you know, we have, we have, you always have to look at a guy's summer as you have six weeks and you got to pick exercises and movements where you can get the most bang for your buck, right? Like what, that's something Charles Paul was real big on. Like, what can I keep it simple and get the most out of them and get them back? You know, when you have, 12, 16 weeks, you're working with a general population client, you know, or an old guy like me, you can, you can be a little more creative. You can, you know, periodize your programming a little more, um, and and take your time, but you don't have a lot of time with these guys in the summer. You got to get them healthy again, especially these, some of these guys that go on cup runs, you know, I've had, it seems like the caller cup comes to Chicago every summer now, like somebody wins it, you know, TJ Tynan played, you know, a hundred games last year. I know Laverde had multiple seasons where he played, you know, 90 to 110 games, like they're shot, you know? Um, and if I can, you know, use some technology to, to make them better, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, but there's, you know, some of the simple stuff they have to do, they have to do. That's yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, that's unreal that the Calder cup, it seems like it's, uh, it's got a home in the GVN freaking performance lab right now, but, uh, <laughs> um, we've been on here a lot, but I think just kind of going along with what you're saying right now, 
Um, I feel like recovery is talked about a lot more um, in the strength and conditioning circles right now, as opposed to kind of Jeff, when you and I were playing and Brian, you were coming up in it. Um, how is how important is recovery to, you know, getting bigger, stronger, faster, becoming a better athlete? And, uh, you know, what are some things that you think from a prehab or, um, you know, balance perspective um, kids can do to, to make sure that they're resting and their body is, is able to recover from the workouts that you're doing? Jeff, I don't know if that was a good enough yeah. question to be worded. <laughs> Maybe you would word it a different way, but just talk about recovery. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so again, Buster Stapleton, um, 10 years ago, he comes to the gym one day, he was feeling great, and what did you do yesterday? He goes, I went to the Russian bathhouse. I'm like, okay. And there's a really good one in Chicago. I went with them once, and they had a cold tub, hot tub, or plunge tub, um, recovery is huge. And it, it, I would say that's probably one of the next things you're seeing more and more and more and more technology. My wife and I actually own a small cryotherapy spa in Chicago and I got really into recovery. What's it called? What's it called? Started. Let's plug it. Oh, uh, uh, Revital Lab, Revital Lab. You're in Chicago and you need cryotherapy. Come to Revital Lab. Um, there we go. It's a great, yeah, it's a great spot. My, so Buster called me from uh, Russia, and he's like, hey, man, I'm doing this freeze machine before games. I'm like, you're in Russia, and you're doing a freeze machine. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's great, but you, you, know, you can't get in wet. I had, like, sweat on my back, and it all froze. And I'm like, what? And, uh, so I'm Googling it. I mean, this is a long time ago, and uh, it was cryotherapy. I started researching it, and, um, you know, lo and behold, a few years later, we, 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 have, uh, we have one in Chicago. Um, but recovery is huge, and I think how – like as far as programming, like when I first started adopted a system we use now, triphasic, and we would take whole weeks off. Um, and then guys would come in like super sore. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, oh, we, we went and golfed a hundred rounds. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so we're not doing that anymore. We're going to do recovery weeks. So we would do a whole week of just mobility and stretching and then we get back into the weights. Now we don't really do that as much. We have like kind of a different way of doing it, but recovery is huge. And there's a lot of good therapies out there. You know, Normatec, I think, I don't think there's very many pro teams that don't have Normatec compression pants anymore, boots, um, which are big air compression boots that compress your legs and kind of help your body mobilize fluid. Um, but like cold tubs, hot tubs, that, that stuff's it's huge. And it comes back to just, you know, if you're a career player and you need to, your body, you get one body and you got to take care of it. Um, and as you get older, you need to do more and more of that stuff. I mean, those young guys that can, like, I went to a call, uh, an NHL game last year. I was waiting for Streeter, uh, after the game, Matt's Ben street. And, um, it's been like an hour. Like, what the hell is this guy? <laughs> you know, like he's got a whole regiment. Um, he's a great pro. Like he, he's got exercises. He does, uh, post game. You know, he does his cold tub, does the hot tub, whatever else. He has a whole bunch of stuff he does. And because he does that, he's going to play through his 30s, you know. Um, it, it's, a, it's a game changing if you can integrate it. And I'm really big with our young players just making it part of their lifestyle. Like, it doesn't have to be tons of it. Like, NTDP, for instance, um, you know, uh, apps was real big on, uh, you know, me smashing the kids on Saturdays, which we did. Uh, but there was a few Saturdays like, Hey, I mean, we maybe doing yoga might be a good idea. And we had took the whole team and did infrared yoga. Um, and it was awesome. And we had one of our best lifting days that following Monday. 
Um, so, you know, if that's an indicator on what it can do for you, but there's a lot of good recovery services out there. I know the Swedes are really into it. Like Marcus Kruger, uh, panic. A lot of the Euro guys will come to our cryo place because we have an infrared sauna. Um, and if there's like gym owners on here, that's a great thing to integrate in your gym because they're, they're cost feasible. Um, and infrared can help with like cellular, cellular, sorry, I have a, I have a list, <laughs> uh, regeneration. <laughs> Um, it's a great, uh, it's a great tool, uh, a great tool to add into your facility. If you, you know, you don't have a budget to build like a real big sauna and we're really lucky. Like our gym, we're, we have the Blackhawks old facilities at Johnny's West. So we do have a cold tub and a hot tub, but you know, when we were working out at CrossFit gyms or, uh, you know, hi-fi fitness in Chicago, we would go to the, I had an account at this Russian bathhouse and you know, all the guys would go and they, I tell him up at the end of the month and pay the guy out, um, and it was it was a great tool for us so that you kids have to do it. That's I think that circles back into the lifestyle habits, right? Like nutrition, training, uh, and recovery kind of all go into one. Yeah, and how about I mean the the least expensive, absolutely free, easiest way to recover? Good sleep. I mean your body recovers yeah. when you sleep. Yeah. And how many of these kids? Don't sleep. They're up, like you said, cell phone in the room, snapping the babes at night, snapping the boys, playing yep. those phone games, whatever that stupid video game they're all playing all the time. Like, good sleep is the easiest way to recover well. And I was talking to, you know, I work out of a, a gym called Elite Performance Academy. It's mainly football players and then my company with all the hockey players. And this guy, these, these kids walk in, and I had in my junior guys. So it was like 18 to 20 year olds who are big, strong kids. And these football linemen who are 16 and 17 walk in, they're all committed to big D1 schools. These are five-star prospects. They walk past my guys. They made all of us, including myself, look like little tiny hotches. These kids were just <laughs> jacked monster athletes. And I'm like, dude, uh, we all want to know how much do these kids eat, yada, yada, yada. And he starts telling us the caloric intake, whatever. He's like, but you know what? To be a big, strong kid and an elite athlete, it takes three things. And he puts up his first three fingers and he puts his first finger down. He goes, you've got it. You, you can't only eat well, puts that down. You can't only sleep well, puts that finger down. So all that's left up is a middle finger. And he looks at me, he goes, if you think you can only train and get that strong, then F you. And then he puts that finger down. So he's like, it's a three pronged approach. You got to eat, you got to sleep slash recover, and you got to train hard. It's not one, it's not two, it's all three. Well, I'm using that one. That's awesome. I know. That is awesome. Finger, so. <laughs> yeah, for all the listeners not seeing Jeff without a shirt on right now. Um, or he, pants. <laughs> uh, did not see the lower body, but I'm glad that I have not. Uh, oh, yep. Nope. Certainly no pants on. Awesome. Uh, yeah, he was giving you the middle finger. Or actually, I guess he was giving me the middle finger, but I like yeah. that. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, the, you know, to touch on what you said, Jeff, about sleep, like you're, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, guys are monitoring that now. You know, I, 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 I played around with the sleep monitor over the winter. Um, it, it's huge. And I know there's, there's you know, I, you ask any NHL guy, like it's in your schedule. Like you have to take a nap, you know, at a certain time. Yeah. And they want to know, you know, I think there's teams even that have, have hired sleep doctors to really monitor these, these guys' recovery because that's when you, when you recover is when you're sleeping. And if you're on that screen, kids, <laughs> at night, like, you're not getting restful sleep. You're just not. Um, Marcus Kruger is a great and, guy. And, and, he's, he's re- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, I was, I was just going to, no, I was just going to say like, and you talked about habits and we're talking about recovery and we're talking about habits and all those things. And, you know, uh, Tof and I talk about our own experiences a lot. And Brian, you saw me play in college. I wasn't a flashy player. I wasn't a sexy player, but for what I was able to do with my injuries, I had a good career. If you ask my parents about me and the thing they hated most about me in hockey, it was how long it took me to get out of the locker room. But why was that? Because after every single game from midgets on, I had to ride the bike for eight to 10 minutes. I would foam roll. I would stretch. I would cold tub. And then I would shower. I never missed that stuff. I never missed that stuff. I was the last one out all the time. And my parents were always mad. And then I remember when I signed, you know, pro and I'm playing my first game, they're still out there waiting in the hallway. And I'm like, look, now I'm at this level. You think it's going to change. It's going to get even worse. I'll meet you at the hotel, you know? <laughs> you got to match. Your parents it. are great, by the way. You had Tom, I said hello. I, that, those are my buddies at the game. That's who I sat with at all those games. <laughs> well, they both listen to this religiously, so I'm sure they'll hear that. Cheese and call. Cheese and call. Yeah. Beauties. Yeah. <laughs> they are the best. Well, Brian, we've had you on here for long enough, and this has been unreal. I mean, from the strength and conditioning side of it to, to the culture side of it, um, I certainly learned a ton, and a lot of times I, I judge these uh, podcast interviews based upon how much, how many notes I take, and I've got like three pages full of stuff that you were talking about. So <laughs> uh, That's just because Toph's a chubby bunny now, though. He's trying to get back in shape. That's that is true, Chubby Bunny. What's that movie, Chubby Bunny? Is that Just Friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just is, Friends, where Ryan Reynolds like dresses yeah. up, or like he's got the fat suit on or whatever. Um, yeah. But this was great, I and mean, this was awesome. I mean, you do such good work and so well deserving of all the stuff. And I think the thing that is the best about it is that you're totally self made, man. You worked your way from uh, the bottom all the way up, and we're not given anything and work for what you had. And we really believe in that on this podcast, and we think that's awesome. So we uh, we appreciate you taking you know a little bit out of your day to to talk to us and and to inform our listeners on a lot of awesome stuff. And uh, yeah, good luck with your move back up to. Uh, uh, Ann Arbor for the year in that uh, northern northern place, not south. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. We're going to play. No, thank you guys, man. You guys are awesome. You know, I've I've listened to you guys and I've learned a lot from you guys. And as far as like the Plymouth and NTDP, you know, that's I think for Chicago for us, it's just a testament to our team and you know my my wife and my brothers and you know all the guys that train with us, man. I. If they they do listen to this, I want to thank them publicly because it's uh it's been a really humbling experience for me. Uh, but I love all of them, and you know, none of this would be that way without them. So, and you, Jeff, <laughs> you're you're such a meat stick, man. And uh, you made me fall in love with training a long time. You are. It's awesome, man. I love watching you, and uh, you know, you're a, a big inspiration to me. When I, you know, I remember your regiment and what you did, and you know, all that stuff you know, it's kind of factored into where me and my brother are today. So thanks for uh, taking care of him out there. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for all the help every day too. (laughs) Follow these guys on the gram. They're unreal. Yeah, for sure. All right, Brian. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.